Hi, this is Brad Inman. Welcome to my daily dispatch. We are here together to figure out this crazy moment in time. Today, I have Pat Stone, a veteran of many real estate cycles and a keen observer of life, the real estate industry, and human behavior. He is the founder of WFG Title and a longtime friend. Welcome, Pat. Thanks, Brad. Good to see you, bud. You know, I got to tell a real quick personal story, Pat. It was oh. about 20 years ago. I was going through quite a rough time in my life, and I came to your office in Santa Barbara, California, when you were working at Bill Foley at Fidelity, and I told you a personal tale of woes, and you were quite the friend listening, but your recommendation was to, um, you handed me a, a set of books. I think there were 12 different books. They were part of the Hornblower fiction series. Yeah. <laughs> A fiction series and I would highly recommend it to anybody out there listening to this uh, that if you're feeling down pick it up because it really it really does make you feel better about life I went up to Sonoma County and hold up in a house by myself and read that and when I was all done I was ready to once again ready to conquer the world so I don't know if you recommend that to all your friends who get about a depression I, I, uh, Brad I reckon recommended that many times in fact it, it just by coincidence, I was looking at it the night before last. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey, uh, you've been through some battles in life, but have you ever seen anything like this? This is, there's no playbook, right, Pat? This is, a, this is challenging. And I think the problem here is that there is so much uncertainty about the length, depth, and impact of this pandemic. And so, uh, one of the one of the uh, success one of the components that have made human beings so successful is whenever confronted with uncertainty, we automatically assume the worst and we're prepared for it. So we don't get surprised by terrible things because it's uh, instinctive of us to assume the worst. Well, it kind of works against you a little bit in a situation like this because you see the media uh, taking every potential outcome and, and uh, running with it all the way to the end, sometimes I think you know, to an absurd level. Now we wanna be careful, we wanna take every precaution, but I'm probably a little bit more optimistic that we will come out of this uh, and be better for it than a lot of people are. Now you're a math guy and you, you know what compounded interest is. I'm sure you've accumulated a lot of your wealth <laughs> using compounded interest, but I guess I, I look at the death toll and the infection rate in this country over the last three weeks and the compounding effect of this is um, kind of staggering. It's, it's hard not to, and I got to stop looking at it, but um, that's real, right? Those are real people getting infected and those are real people dying. They, they are. And this is, a, this is one of the quandaries that we face. You know, we are a society that puts a great deal of value on individual freedoms and societies which are more dictatorial, and that's a terrible word, they're more controlled in terms of their societal behavior, uh, can react quickly and more decisively to this sort of situation. Um, you know, my personal opinion, we should have declared uh, a shelter in place uh, probably 10 or 12 days ago, uh, made it mandatory nationally, and just basically stopped everything for two weeks, and we probably wouldn't have the impact we're having already. But uh, yeah, no, I just, I just saw, you know, Mike Simonson, he's out of the Silicon Valley. He's a data freak. Hopefully I'm going to get him on my show. He just showed a chart on Twitter, Pat, that really affirms what you said. 
he shows the the increase in infections in the San Francisco Bay Area, which took immediate action, and has been very progressive on this. And then compares it to New York, where they were kind of hit and miss. Um, and now, uh, and I don't know if the correlation is accurate, but um, I think it shows what you're saying. The data is proving out that uh, the faster and the quicker you move on this, the the lower the infection rate and the lower the death toll. Yeah, and I'm a you know I, I hope <clears throat> I hope we don't have any sort of federal mandated uh, return to normal prematurely because I think that would be a big mistake. We'll see. Yeah, well, that you're right about the media. Oh, those of those media are knocking people around. We found it, Emin, the best thing we can do, and I'm sure this is true of your company, is just be in service, be in service to our readership as much as we can, providing, you know, vital information, not stoking the fires, laying out the facts, telling the truth, but also being there for people. Tell me, you got a big payroll, and you guys have been killing it with refis. Um, how do you, as a leader, um, you know, motivate, uh, encourage, support your team right now? Well, we took a very, uh, very active, uh, excuse me, a very proactive stance. Uh, and we, uh, because of the nature of the company, we operate on one, one system uh, throughout all the components of our company. So we were able to move a lot of people to work at home. I think right now, as we're talking, we're over 70% of our employees are working for home. Our offices are still being manned uh, as needed and there's some functions that we can't move to home, but we've been very, very proactive about making sure people take care of themselves first, their families, and then their job. And it's in that order of priority. So uh, we've been able to service our clients. Uh, we've been able to maintain really a very, very good service standards uh, because people, people believe in the program and, and have actively, actively engaged from home. And is there a challenge here of not bullshitting the employees with everything's going to be great, um, but on the other hand, being you know transparent that may may be super ugly. How do you find that balance that that you know is kind of a requirement of leadership? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think the key is to be candid and honest with people, and if you operate that uh, operate that way as a standard methodology, then when you say things, people believe you. Um, and I've always been, uh, I think, very candid and honest with my people. Uh, and we are open and we have, uh, we allow questions, we allow interaction. I'll take questions from any employee, no matter what their position in the company is. And we'll answer them as truthfully as we can. And so I think we have good credibility with them and we'll, and we'll you know, if there's a problem, we're gonna tell them there's a problem. If we have to do something that we didn't anticipate, we'll tell them, you know, we'll be straight up with people. How, how are you doing with isolation, my friend? <laughs> a little crap. You're, you know, you've always been a little claustrophobic, as I recall. Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, this is one of those situations when you really find out how much you like your wife or you don't. And I think I'm very fortunate I like my wife. <laughs> we had a weird thing. We put up a little post on Facebook. Uh, who are your QBs, which is your quarantine buddies? And I expected, you know, about half spouses, animals and kids. Well, about 95% were animals. There were a few kids and there were one or two uh, spouses and someone said and those two were newlyweds <laughs> I think that that data may tell us something yeah. uh, but but maybe we don't think of our spouse as a buddy maybe that's it so in fairness to everybody that gave us a picture of their dog um pat this it's impossible to predict uh anything now i recently said you know 
trust the health experts, but the economic forecasters. But you've been pretty good about seeing some things around the bend. I know in January at Connect, before all this blew up, and even last year in Las Vegas, you talked about the commercial loan portfolio, which is, as we speak, I think, having its blow-up characteristics. Um, but what are some other fundamental economic um, data points or issues that you think we should be watching now? Some gauge of, you know, is it the stock market is, uh, you know, when unemployment finally bottoms out, what from your experience are the, the fundamentals here in this case we should be looking for and, and our readership and, and at Inman should be looking for? Well, I think the number one thing right now is the, uh, the stimulus bill being, stimulus bill or the, the pandemic response bill being uh, formulated in Congress. And uh, I have grown more optimistic as I've seen the depth and uh, amount of dollars being contemplated increase. And the one thing they're doing now is that they are, uh, it looks like it will have a provision for four months of salary to any employee that's been laid off. Um, that will greatly enhance our ability to recover from this uh, not necessarily quickly, but much quicker than we would be if we didn't have that because we are a consumption-based economy. And if we have people able to re-engage uh, in, uh, in society and buy things and go out and have meals and uh, shop and basically uh, operate while their jobs are being geared back up, then the recovery will be a lot better and a lot healthier than it will be if they if they are completely out of money. So I was encouraged to see that. Uh, the Fed has stepped in aggressively. I'm not so much worried about the commercial uh, loan market. I'm not so much worried about uh, mortgages. Uh, the Fed has been actually very, very aggressive, and I think they have backstopped everything, and I think the markets have calmed down. I don't see a lot of anxiety now in the financial markets. A week ago, I got to tell you, it was a little scary, but it's gotten much, much better. So if the uh, pandem de pandemic response bill being negotiated in Congress uh, is passed uh, tomorrow, I wouldn't, if it goes on any further than that, it's going to get a little ugly. But if it's passed tomorrow, that, and it includes the provision to allow for four months salary for laid off employees, I think our recovery will be faster than is anticipated by most, most folks. Now, Pat, in all of these interviews, because people are working at home and they don't have a gaggle of PR people and admins watching out for them, um, there's always <laughs> some interesting sounds. Uh, and is that your grandchildren knocking on the door to get your no, attention? No, that is, you know, we're putting a, and this is really interesting because we started this about a month and a half ago. We're putting on a hundred year roof so we can put solar panels on our roof. Well, it's about time are, you got with the program, Pat. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, they're, uh, they're able to continue working because they maintain distance and they're outside. So that's what you're hearing. They're just finishing up the roof. Now, tell me this. Your daughter studied archaeology, correct? Yes. And you've been on some archaeological digs with her around the world. Are there any lessons here that you can think of? And you can ponder this one because this is kind of heavy duty one. But anything from history long ago that we can you know, the end of the Roman Empire or something that, that, we, that, that we might learn from that history. And we can put that on advance and I'll ask you an easy one if you want. <laughs> well, you know, the only thing I can tell you that you learn is that every successful society has a cycle. And, uh, mm. you know, it comes to an end, you know, and it, or it evolves. I shouldn't say it comes to an end. It evolves. And I think uh, 
you know, the, we have been involved in about uh, a fairly significant push towards globalization for 30 years or so, maybe even longer. Um, I certainly hope that uh, that does not stop. Um, you know, one of the things that will come out of this, uh, one of the things that will come out of this pandemic is either we will, either we will benefit from a diverse production and invention capability, or we will become homophobic and shut it all down, and then I, that'll be a real disaster. But, um, you know, I was listening to, um, if I can just take you down a, a side note here for a second, I was listening to a Goldman Sachs webinar uh, yesterday morning, yesterday morning or Friday, I forget, but anyway, they were talking about the development of an antiviral program and of a vaccine. They had six professionals on talking, and four of them had foreign accents, not you know from all over the world. You know, so we are a global society, and um, you know, let's let's hope that this doesn't. I mean, I hope that this doesn't create too much bigotry, and it doesn't result in us breaking down that that the benefits of a global society. You know, I just saw out your window because, uh, by the way, for my podcast listeners, we are on video because. I did the initial ones without doing um, the video live with, with the people I was interviewing. And uh, I used to do radio, but I haven't done it in so long that I, I realized that that eyeball, eyeball to eyeball contact helps me in the interview. But I just saw in Pat's window, some guy climbing off his roof. He just, <laughs> he just went down the window. He didn't fall. So you're in good shape. No liability. Pat, I, you've given me a lot of business advice. And so let's just talk a little bit about you know, business decisions that people make, you know, there's one notion in the old days when things are good and everything, if, if things go bad or you need to cut, you know, you cut fast and you hire slow. And those things probably don't apply as much now because people are getting hit hard with their health and we have to be really respectful of, you know, do we want to hit people with a second blow? And then the second one is you used to say, you know, you look at your P&L and you look at how many people uh, are revenue generating. And, and that doesn't mean, and for all my reporters out there, don't get worried. You got to have content for me to make any money. So I need reporters and editors, but, you know, make sure that you have uh, revenue generating people. Uh, you know, those principles, I don't know, do they apply anymore? Um, but more importantly, is that some way to, I mean, cutting expenses and, you know, realtors, brokers, they got to cut expenses. That may not be payroll. Maybe it's office space. Maybe it's, you know, extra frills here and there. Any advice just from a business strategy right now when, we seem to be uh, frozen or at a standstill. Yeah, <clears throat> I would say this, Brad, and I think this is really important to think about, is that if you have economic pressure that requires you to adjust, you need to adjust. Uh, if you're sitting there and trying to anticipate the future, be just a little bit careful. Uh, almost all decisions that I have made without information because I was concerned about something I couldn't control and didn't know the outcome of, were sort of like, uh, you know, they were just sort of like, <laughs> they, I was, I was going to get vulgar here for a second, but they were miscast, if you will, and they don't often work. So you got to be careful about the decisions you make. You can make short-term decisions. You can make decisions to make sure your doors are open. Um, don't rethink your life at this particular moment. It may be a good time to sit back and think about making your life more disciplined and things like that. But be real careful that you don't panic or let the situation affect, uh, affect your thinking. Now, from a business point of view, uh, one of the biggest problems people are going to have, and if they haven't thought of this, they better think about it real quick. 
is that supply chains are gonna get readjusted dramatically because of this. It's already started and take a look at your supply chain, figure out where you get things and if you can still get them, uh, if they're gonna be impacted with cost changes because of the uh, shortages, uh, take a look at, uh, you know, take a look at your delivery system, take a look at the basics of your business and make sure everything still continues to function. Don't panic, but be thoughtful. If you have short-term pressure, react to it. Good points, Pat. Hey, I remember, I'll tell the, the audience a, a fun story. Back when I was um, at HomeGain, and you were on my board of directors, uh, that was an on, early online real estate company. You helped us all do really well and make a lot of money there. But during that period, I had decided to hire a CEO. And my associate, Marie, used to greet the candidates as they came into my office. And she, she was from Sweden, had a lot of opinions. And um, you came to the office to see me, and she didn't realize you were on my board. And she ran into my office really quick before you came in and said, he's the CEO. He's the guy. And I... I never forget how, I, you know, that calm, steady approach. You listen. I know you have turmoil in your brain because you share it with me, but you, you, that's, that, that steady hand, that calm, cool look, more of a listener than a talker, uh, all characteristics I wish I had. Um, how important for leaders now more than ever is that? I mean, how do you stay calm? How do you stay, how do you listen? Um, you know, how did you ever develop that characteristic, but also um, how and why is it important now and how do people try to do more of that? Well, it's, you know, I've, I've been very blessed. I was very blessed with a father that really spent a lot of time helping me become a mature individual and was there for me in the hard times. And uh, I learned to try to listen to people and I'll give you a, a, I'll give you an example of how it has benefited me uh, about 12 years ago, we were, we just bought this house we're in and we were remodeling it. I came home one afternoon and uh, as I'm walking up to the front door, there's a gentleman laying tile in the walkway. And he says, Mr. Stone, can I bother you for a minute? And I said, sure, what's up? And he says, well, what do you think about the stock market and, and uh, you know, investments? And I said, well, I think it's okay, why? And he says, well, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but I have some money in the, in the market and I'm getting a little concerned. And I, and I said, well, why are you concerned? He says, because everybody is saying, don't worry. Everybody's saying there's no problem. Everybody's saying there's nothing to be afraid of. He says, when everybody says there's nothing to be afraid of, he says, I get scared. And I thought to myself, here's a guy laying tile on my sidewalk. <laughs> and I, I went in and I went to all cash the next day. <laughs> and yeah, and he, pr he probably didn't listen to a Goldman Sachs report the day before. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, could, you learn from anybody. And everybody, everybody you interact with, no matter... I mean, we, we have a bad habit of scoring people. Uh, we, we, we run credit scores on people in our minds, right? We give them, or we run a grade on them. We say, that, you know, they're accomplished, they're not so accomplished. I went to a better school. So much of that is crapola. Every single human being alive knows something that you and I don't. And if we listen to them, we'll learn something, you know? And uh, the key is to make sure that they understand that you want to hear what they have to say about something they know, because everybody knows something I don't. I learned something from everybody I talked to. Yeah, it's funny. When I used to give speeches oh, in 2006 and 7, invariably, I noticed the busboys and the 
waiters in the convention halls and the meeting rooms would stop and listen and they never listened before to what I had to say. And it wasn't so much what I talked about was so relevant to them buying a house, but they were buying houses and they would invariably come up to me afterwards and ask me and tell me these crazy stories of how they had figured out a way to afford to buy a house in San Francisco, for example, on a, you know, on a basically a, a service income. And that was my indication. Something is screwed up here and, and not that they didn't deserve the right to own a home, but were they qualified or were they being pushed into it by some mortgage broker, which we know they were, you know, I, uh, listen, 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 it's a powerful message and mo no judgments about who we listen to, but I got to tell you, listening to you over the years has done me so well personally and professionally. And I want to thank you. And I want to thank you for being with us today, Pat. Um, we will continue the conversation uh, at Inman and hopefully bring more people uh, as intelligent as you are. Thank you so much for doing this. Brad, I feel the same way. Our, our, our friendship and our exchanges have been in, invaluable to me over the years. So thank you. And thank you for having me on. So Inmanville, uh, this is Brad Inman checking out and tune in soon for our next podcast. This is certainly a lot of fun, even though it's a real difficult time uh, facing all these challenges. Over and out.